Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, glory to Your name. We sing glory and praise and honor to Your name, Most High. And Lord, as we come to worship You, and as we open up Your Word, Lord, today we pray that You would just open our hearts see Jesus. Let us see Jesus. Let us understand more of Your sacrifice for us. Oh Lord, as we sang earlier, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. But oh, for grace, to trust Him even more. Let it be so this morning, O oh Lord. Speak to us, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. Yes, Matthew's Gospel. We're going to jump away from Philippians again today and go to Matthew as we're looking at the Lord's Supper and we're observing the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, we want to look at Matthew's gospel and the, uh, Jesus, when he initiated, when he began the Lord's Supper, institution of the Lord's Supper. In Matthew chapter 26, we'll be looking at verses 26 through 29 this morning. 26 through 29. Jesus begins to observe the Passover meal with his disciples and in that time institutes the Lord's Supper. So if you would... Stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, today we are observing the Lord's Supper, and as we observe the Lord's Supper together, I want us to take a moment and just, just think about what is the meaning and the significance of the Lord's Supper. Uh, for an outsider, it might just be a ceremonial thing, that it, uh, it's just part of you know, being a church member, part of being in a church. I mean, you have civic organizations, and they kind of do some peculiar things sometimes. They look peculiar, peculiar to those who come in from the outside, and, and they go through these little ceremonies and think, what's that all about? And, and it's just a part of, of being a member of their organization. You just kind of go through these different things. Well, uh, for an outsider coming into the church, or a new Christian even coming into the church, you might look at the Lord's Supper and say, what's this all about? And you might kind of attach that to some idea of, of these little extra things that civic organizations do or some other social club that you might be a member of. But 
We know in the church that the Lord's Supper is way more than just a little ceremony that we have to throw into our services every now and again. It has far greater meaning than that. Far greater meaning than that. And as we look at this passage today, one thing that I want us to, to see as we look at this and, and ask that question, what, what's the meaning, what is the significance of the Lord's Supper, is we see that the Lord's Supper represents an invitation from Jesus to each and every one of us. It represents an invitation from Jesus to each and every one of us. Now, the Lord's Supper itself is not the invitation, but it is a symbol to memorialize the invitation that God extends to everyone. And we're going to see that. So as we look at the institution of the Lord's Supper then this morning, we're going to see this. Jesus invites each of us into a loving and legal relationship where he provides forgiveness of sins and eternal life if we only receive him. Say that again. Jesus invites each of us into a loving and legal relationship where he provides forgiveness of sin and eternal life if we only receive him. And, and three things I'm, we're going to see this morning. We're going to see Jesus' invitation, Jesus' commitment, and Jesus' promise. Jesus' invitation, Jesus' commitment, and Jesus' promise. All right, so as we work through then, uh, first of all, as we look at the passage, we see first Jesus' invitation. Jesus invites us into a covenant relationship. Jesus invites us, each and every one of us, into a covenant relationship. Now, first of all, we need to ask what in the world is a covenant? Because uh, other than in church, you're probably not going to use that word in a sentence this week. You're just not. It's not something that we use. Com it's not in our common language today. So what is a covenant? Uh, some people like to compare a covenant with a contract. Uh, you think about a contract, a business contract. It, it, but really, a covenant is not a contract. Not, uh, a contract, you go down here to the, the cell phone company and, and, and you make a contract, right? You sign a contract. I'm gonna, you, you agree to give me your services and I'm going to pay my bill. That's basically the contract, right? And so you enter into a contract. But the relationship in that contract is not like a covenant because in that contract, there's, there's no love. There's no commitment of self into that relationship. And there's always an out, isn't there? There's always an out clause, a way to, to get out of the contract. But a covenant is not a contract. It's far greater, far greater than just a mere contract. So what is a covenant? Tim Keller says a covenant could be said to be a stunning blend of both law and love. A stunning blend of both law and love. Now what does he mean by that? Well, first of all, a covenant that Jesus invites us into is a love relationship. It is a love relationship. It's, it's a commitment of one, one's whole being into a relationship. 
Now, understand that when we say this is a, a love relationship, we're not talking about what uh, our Western American society has turned love into. We think about love in our day, and, and love is an emotion. It's an emotion. So, uh, basically what we say, if we say, oh, I love you, is we're saying that there's something about you, whether it be looks or your personality, or something that you give to us that, that sparks some kind of an emotional movement in us, right? And so we can throw that word around to a lot of different things. I, I love my wife, and I love my pickup truck, and I love my clothes, and I, I love this, I love that, and we just use it randomly for whatever, anything that causes a, some kind of emotion in us. Hey, we love it. But that's not the biblical understanding of love. The biblical understanding of love is a complete commitment to one another. A commitment of one's whole body, of whole self to another. We see this in even our marriage covenants, don't we? Uh, we don't quite grasp it so. And because divorce is so easily available to us, but, but really what God has intended is this complete commitment of a man to a woman and a woman to a man where we commit to our whole self to, to one another, right? So think about the, the vows that you take in marriage. You commit to have and to hold for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, from through sickness or in health, until death do you part. See, that's a love commitment. It's not, I commit to you as long as you provide an emotional uh, feeling for me. Right? It's not, I will love you and commit myself to you as long as you can provide the material things that I need. I love you and I, I, I commit to you as long as you can meet my physical desires. No. To have and to hold, for better or for worse, through richer or through poorer, through sickness or in health, till death do we part. You see, that's what God has intended when He established and when He instituted the, the covenant of marriage. It's a complete commitment, a whole commitment of one to another. A love relationship. See, you don't get that in a contract. It's a covenant. And Jesus says, come, come, covenant with me. Commit yourself to me, and I commit myself wholly to you. It's a love commitment. Furthermore, it's a legal relationship. It's a legal relationship with uh, legal bonds and legal implications there. You see, it's, it's not just about the emotion. It's God coming and saying, I'm going to covenant with you. And the two parties are, are committing that I will be faithful to you. And you see, if there's something comes up and, and one party breaks covenant, right? If one party breaks covenant and, and, and pulls out of the covenant, then there's legal consequences. Again, think about marriage. 
And, and let's not think about our society where you can have no-fault divorce. But let's think about marriage as God instituted marriage. In a marriage relationship, Jesus said, though Moses, he allowed for divorce, God didn't intend it to be so. God intended for a man to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and be one till death do them part. And Jesus says there's only one way to get out of the bond of the covenant of marriage, and that's through adultery. Covenantal unfaithfulness. Right? When adultery happens, then, yeah, you can get out because one partner has broke the covenant, been unfaithful to the covenant, has given to another what they promised to, to stay faithful to the other, right? And what is the legal consequence of adultery or covenantal unfaithfulness in Scripture? Death. It's not just a, a little thing like we treat it today. Adultery is a major offense worthy of death. And so when one breaks the covenant, there's legal consequences. And the legal consequences of breaking the covenant is death. So Jesus invites us into a relationship, a covenantal relationship where He commits to love us and give Himself up for us and invites us to come and covenant with Him, commit to Him, give ourselves to Him. He promises to be our Lord and Savior, our provider and our protector, and we come under Him and we remain faithful. And He invites us into this relationship. He invites us, come in. That's what we get here in this passage. Take, eat, drink of it. Those are, are imperatives, word of command. And it's not like, you, you better take this, you better eat this. No, it's an invitation. He said, come, come, take, eat, enter into covenant with Me. He is out pleading, holding His hands Come to me and enter into a covenantal relationship with me. That's the invitation that Jesus gives us. He invites us to covenant with him. But of course, we see here that that's, there's a problem for us. The legal requirements, you see, that's the problem for us. Because as we began to try to keep the commandments that God has given us, as we begin to try to, to be faithful to the covenant, we find ourselves constantly giving ourselves over to other things. That's why John Calvin once said that the, the human nature is a factory of idols. Because we're constantly, we're constantly, we're supposed to commit ourselves to God, give ourselves to God, but we're constantly giving of ourselves to things, to, to money, to possessions, to other people in ways that we ought to be just giving ourselves to God. And that causes a problem because we've broken covenant. We've committed adultery against God, giving ourselves to temporary, futile things. 
And so there's a problem. We can't keep covenant. We can't be faithful because of this sin nature, this human flesh. We constantly find ourselves committing adultery against God. Breaking away from the covenant. But look what Jesus does. This is the beautiful thing about the covenant that Jesus invites us into. Jesus, in this covenant, commits to be our substitute. He commits to be our substitute in the legal demands of this covenant. Look what He says. For this is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, for the forgiveness of covenantal unfaithfulness. For committing adultery against God. And what happens in this? What happens? First of all, Jesus comes in this covenant and, and He bears the burden of the legal demands upon Himself. So Jesus, when He came in human flesh, God the Son, He came in human flesh. And in our place, He kept all the legal demands that God requires. He loved God the Father perfectly. He never broke covenant with the Father. He lived His whole life in obedience to the will of the Father. And though He bore the legal demands of the covenant perfectly, He went to the cross and He also bore the penal consequences of the covenant. For our adultery against God is worthy of eternal death and eternal separation from God. Jesus went to, went to Calvary's cross and He poured out His blood of the covenant there on Calvary's cross. Meeting the demands of the law, the punitive consequences of the law. He was separated for the first time in all of eternity. The Son was separated from the Father. Separated from all the goodness of the Father. And He bore all the penal consequences for our sin. There in that moment in space and time, He bore the consequences in our place. That's why He said, this is my, the, the blood of my covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He bore the legal demands of the covenant and He bore the legal consequences of the covenant so that we might enter in forgiven. He bore the death we deserve so that we might gain the life and all the rewards that He deserves. Jesus invites us into covenant. And He commits to being our substitute to take on all the legal demands in the covenant. And all of that is, is so wonderful in and of itself, but that's not where Jesus ends, is it? No, no. Look at the end. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day 
that day. There's coming a day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You see, not only does Jesus give us the invitation, not only does he make a commitment to bear the legal demands of this covenant, but he also makes us a promise. Jesus promises us life in God's eternal kingdom. Jesus promises us life in God's eternal kingdom. That's what he's getting at here in this last line as he's institutionalizing the Lord's Supper. He's getting to there's a day coming, a day. A day that, that is set out there. God knows the day. It's a day that is set when Jesus will come and He will make all things new. He will take out all of sin. No more sin. He'll take out all the consequences to sin. No more consequences to sin. Well, never more sin. We'll never more bear the consequences of sin. We'll never no more see sickness and death that comes as a consequence of sin. Jesus will make all things new. And He will establish us in His Father's kingdom, which is an eternal kingdom. In Jesus Christ, we have everlasting life. So Jesus invites us covenant he commits to being a substitute for us in the, the the legal requirements of the covenant and he promises us everlasting joy and life in his father's kingdom there's only one thing left for us to do and that is to receive the invitation to receive the invitation, to receive Christ, to receive what He is inviting us into, to say, yes, Lord, I will enter into covenant with You. Yes. Jesus invites each of us, each and every person here today, Jesus invites you into a loving and legal relationship where He provides forgiveness of sin and eternal life if you will only receive Him. The question is, will you receive Him? Will you receive Him? Not will you receive the elements that we're about to partake of here in a moment. You know, this is just an imagery. This is just a, a visual picture of what Jesus has done. But the invitation goes out to each and every one of us. Take, eat of my body, Jesus says. Take, drink of my blood. Participate in my sacrifice. Enter into my covenant. And I'll take all, the, all of the law's demands for you. And I'll give you life in my Father's kingdom. If you'll only say yes. If you'll only receive me. That's all He asks of you today. Will you receive him? Oh, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for the covenant that Jesus invites us into. 
And for many here today, they have been invited in. And so for many, they have received the invitation and they said, Yes, Lord, I want to covenant with you. I want to be with you and commit to you. Receiving all that you have committed and promised. And so, Lord, for us, as we observe the Lord's Supper today, Lord, let it just, just move us and remind us of what you have done for us. That we might even renew our commitment to you over and over again. But Lord, there are those here today who have never entered into covenant. They're strangers to the covenant. And they're on a road to eternal death. Oh, Father, open their eyes. Open their hearts. Let them say yes to the covenant today. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. As David and I will be up front. If you have further questions about salvation, or if you have questions about the church, then we invite you to come. Together, we sing the hymn of invitation. We respond to God's word this morning. Hymn number 320, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.